was the Soviet Union founded with the assistance of sentient mushrooms? And then we traveled to Puerto Rico to meet a young boy who was out flying his kite one day. When a UFO showed up to steal his kite, he figured that would be the weirdest thing that would happen in his life. And then the monkeys showed up. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I really mean that. Hope you guys are having an awesome day. I am having an awesome day. I'm recording this late at night. I took some melatonin. It's going good. It's going good until the melatonin kicks in and I start to go to sleep. Speaking of sleep, everyone give a quiet round of applause for our legacy Patreon riding in on a bunch of sheep jumping over a fence. It's Marcus Clausen. He's taking a little nap, a little nap on the backs of sheep. Marcus, let's give him a round of applause. Let's wake him up. He has to pilot a bunch of vehicles. Marcus, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. You guys can't support the Patreon, or if you guys hate sleep, that's okay too. I don't recommend hating sleep. You should get some, but that's fine too. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. We have flyers in the show notes. The world is reopening. Get out there, spread the word about the show, and let's make this show grow. Marcus, we're going to break out a new invention for this episode. I don't know if it's going to work. It's called, just, I just came up with it. It's the melatonin. It's taking over my brain. It's called the bunny bolt. The bunny bolt. <laughs> It's like, what is this contraption? I'm wheeling it out. It's like a catapult. <laughs> it's a catapult. It's a catapult. But I couldn't think of anything bunny that started with a C. I was going to call it like the the something, something like the cutie pult. But that just is weird. <laughs> That's weird even for me. So it's the, what was the name of this thing? Oh, the bunny bolt. So <laughs> anyways, we're all going to crawl and we're going to make the shape of a ball in the bunny bolt and Marcus Clausen hits the switch and we go flying. Wouldn't the bunny ballista (laughs) it would have been better and probably safer other than this huge arc. And Marcus is like, what about me? What about me? You can take the robo. We all are in the Soviet Soviet Union. We see Marcus Clausen riding the dead rabbit rowboat over to us for our first story. All of the stories for today's episodes are recommendations from listeners, so really, really appreciate that. Our first story is a recommendation from AAA OOO. So thanks for sending this over. And I got most of my information from this story from an Atlas Obscura article written by Eric Grundhauser. So thank you very much for that as well. We're walking around in the Soviet Union. It's January 17th, 1991. And we walk into some dude's house, and it's Igor sitting there, and he's like, not, 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 from, not from Frankenstein, he's just a guy named Igor. We're like, hey, what's up, bro? We go, and we sit on his couch, Marcus Clausen comes walking in, we're like, hey, man, what took you so long? He's like, oh, I had to row all the way. I didn't get vaulted across continents. And Igor is inviting us to watch this show called Pieto Cosolio, or The Fifth Wheel. It's basically, at the time, it was the Soviet Union's version of 60 Minutes. Now, this was a very pivotal time in Soviet Union history. It was basically the end. It's called Glasnost or Perestroika. It's like the reopening to the West. They're like, yeah, you guys won. Sure, we had more nukes and we had more landmass, but you guys had Levi's and the Scorpions. (laughs) Not the insects, not the insects, but the band. So you guys won. So they're kind of reopening to the West. So it's... a 
big moment for journalism as well, because for the previous, what, five decades at the point? Yeah, more than that. For the previous nine decades, you had control over the media. You only heard what the state wanted you to hear. So now they're starting to get this investigative journalism. They're like, dude, dude, you got to watch the show. They ask questions. People are like, what's that? What's a question? The first time they saw the Riddler, they're like, why is he covered in all those hieroglyphics? They're like, that's a question mark. A what mark? Now they're able to actually ask questions over there and get answers. And this show was very, very well respected. It's called The Fifth Wheel or Pieto Coliso. And one of the journalists on the show, his name was Sergei Sokolov. And he is interviewed for this particular episode that aired on January 17th. He's interviewing a historian. This historian's sitting down and he goes, Okay, what I'm about to tell you is going to blow your minds. More than that question mark that's been popping up everywhere that has confused people. This is really going to blow your minds. Let's go back in time to 1900s Russia, when the Russian Revolution was just beginning to ferment. Vladimir Lenin, father of the revolution, he took psychedelic mushrooms. That may surprise some of you, but Vladimir Lenin did like taking psychedelic mushrooms. Uh, that's a bit of a misnomer. He loved taking psychedelic mushrooms. That's kind of a misnomer as well. He ate nothing but psychedelic mushrooms. Sure, he'd probably eat like a pizza, a piece of pizza every so often, but he consumed just mushrooms, psychedelic mushrooms all the time. The historian goes on and goes, okay, it's a bit of a bombshell, it's a bit of a bombshell. But I once visited Mexico. I once visited Mexico to study the revolution that took place there when the workers rose up to take that country back. And I noticed something. Their imagery matched ours. When I looked at the propaganda that was coming out of Mexico during their workers' revolution, it matched to a bizarre extent the propaganda, I mean, I mean the truth stuff, because Soviet Union was still around. It was totally true. It wasn't propaganda or totally real posters of the October Revolution of 1917. The imagery was the same. Sure, you could say maybe the Soviet Union was communicating with Mexico and you had allegiances. Or my hypothesis, not my hypothesis, this historian's hypothesis, but I've said weirder things, that the leaders were communicating not through telegram or through spies, but communicating through psychedelic mushrooms. The propaganda posters weren't designed by people. Well, they were. They were designed by human hands. But the mushrooms told them what images and what messages to use. He then shows letters between Lenin and Stalin talking about mushrooms. How Lenin said when he ate mushrooms, they made him feel better. He showed photos of Lenin in his study. In these photos of Lenin in his study, there's an unidentified mushroom-shaped object in these photos. He presents a diagram. Lenin had this armored car that he famously gave a speech from. Because if you're going to listen to anyone, you're going to listen to a man in a tank, right? He's in this armored car and he's giving this speech. And this historian was able to show a diagram of that car. And it matched up to the root system of a psychedelic mushroom. This segment goes on for an hour in total. And this historian is presenting all this evidence. Now, this was the conclusion. Again, this was aired on a program that was the level of 60 Minutes in America. But while you're watching this program, this is the conclusion that's given by this historian. Quote, I have absolutely irrefutable proof that the October Revolution was carried out by people who had been consuming certain mushrooms for many years. 
And these mushrooms, in the process of being consumed by these people, had displaced their personalities. These people were turning into mushrooms. In other words, I simply want to say that Lenin was a mushroom. Unquote. Segment episode ends. The episode just ends. And you had the population of Soviet Union. They're all watching this show. It's a big show. Finally asking big questions. And you had this massive divide. People immediately go, this has to be fake. This isn't real. Right? Right? Lenin's not a mushroom. Right? That's not real. But they saw it on television. They saw it on television in this investigative journalistic program. Now, apparently there was a survey done. Wikipedia mentioned this, but they cited something in Russian. I couldn't verify it. But apparently there was a survey done shortly after. And it turns out that 11 million Russians believed that, to some extent, the story was real. But people were saying, listen, it can't be real, but I'm confused because it's on television. It was this hour-long program during this news program. But Lenin's not a mushroom, right? And they said the evidence was presented so quickly, it would, they just move from one topic to another, showing these diagrams very quickly and then move on. So people were kind of upset about it. They weren't upset the fact that Lennon was a mushroom. They were upset because they wanted to know whether or not this was true. And it turns out, unfortunately, for all you mushroom lovers out there, it's not true. And this is where, thank you so much for the recommendation, Triple A, Triple O, but this is the part where we all get to roll our eyes the person who played the historian, it was an actor, it wasn't an actor, it was an underground Soviet musician, underground like a mushroom, named Sergei Kirkin. And he pulled a prank. Now, the journalist was in on it, and it was one of those things where they're like, hey, dude, let's show how gullible humans are because we're going to put something on television and they'll believe it, man. See, because people believe the boob tube. I don't know if he was Toby Gillis, but... That is such a... First off, I, 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 I love that conspiracy theory. And it I can see how jumping from point to point to point makes sense. And the idea of the mushrooms, like the psychedelic mushrooms, kind of communicating with each other. We covered that on an early episode of the show. It, I think it was like the Grand Soy Unified Theory. I've talked about mushrooms a lot on this show, honestly. So I do like the narrative itself. I think that's such a cop-out, though. It's not that people are gullible. It's not that people are stupid. People see television as their friend that's all that's all it is and it'd be the same thing if your buddy if a friend of yours showed up and told you something was like hey you know i just i saw this thing online and they told you the story and they're like and yeah it was really weird they said these people disappeared in thailand and then they found them again and a couple years later in Spain, and they had an age the day, and you'd be like, what? And you're like, I know, it's super weird, but I read it. I read it on CNN. Like, it, it would make sense, right? And they tell you this story. I mean, they'd be a little more convincing than that. But they tell you this story, and then, like, a couple days later, they're like, gotcha. And you're like, what? And you're like, remember that story I told you that was, like, fanciful, that you doubted? And you're like, yeah, I was making it up. I wanted to show how gullible and trusting you were. You'd be like, what? That's what it is. When we invite musicians into our headphones or televisions into our homes, we, we, we associate, even podcasts, we associate a friendship, a kinship with them. I don't think it's them. I don't think it's people being gullible because it's on TV. They can't put in on that. I think you could have done it with any, any form of medium. 
any, you could do a book. You can have a book written by an author that you trust. There's all these facts and figures. Ha <laughs> ha, got you. There really was no hunt for the Red October. You're like, what? What? I, I didn't know. I'm sorry. Sorry, Tom Clancy. You fooled me, but it was still an entertaining story. I just think that's such a cop-out. You could have done that with anything. And it's funny because I've almost done that. I was coming up to episode 666, and I thought, oh, dude, what if I do a lost episode? What if I just don't record anything? And then just ignore it, pretend like I did record an episode or so. And I go, that's dumb. Because you guys at a certain point, you because I'm telling so much ridiculous stories, if I start breaking trust like that, then you go, what? This he did the stupid 666 stunt. Or if I stopped recording for like a week and I show up and I'm like, oh man, I got teleported into a zone. <laughs> like watch that happens now. I get teleported into a zone. No one's going, but you know what I mean? Like at a certain point, you just trust people. So I like the story, but I think that's such a cop-out ending. I'm not saying that I expected him to actually be a mushroom. But anyways, that <laughs> sounds like a downer ending, but no, I really, really like that story. Um, but just the ending was kind of goofy. Marcus Clausen, let's give you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind the Soviet Union. We are headed out to Puerto Rico. There's a little island... Closer to the United States now. There's like jungles. I think there's jungles on it, right? Palm trees, maybe? I don't know. I, I can easily look this stuff up, but I don't. Carpenter Copter's coming over the lush jungles of Puerto Rico. As we're flying over, we see Dragon Boy JGH. He's the one who recommended this story. He's waving to us. We're waving back to Dragon Boy. And he got it from Beyond Creepy, which is a really cool YouTube channel. I've been watching some of their stuff lately. They're really cool. If you have a chance, check them out. The year is 1934, and specifically we're going to the town of Mayaguez in Puerto Rico. And there's a young boy, and he's like, oh, you know what, I'm super bored today. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do I'm gonna do something that's slightly less boring, but still kind of boring. I'm going to fly a kite. So he grabs his kite, and he runs out of his house, and Dad's reading the newspaper. He's like, man, I wish my son was more exciting. The kid's like, wee-hee, woo-woo. Juan Rivera Feliberti is running out of the house with his kite. And he's running through. He's like, I think it's a jungle. I don't know. It could be a deciduous forest for all I know. He's running through. He's running through some sort of area with vegetation. He's jumping over pumpkins. He's flying his kite. Now, if you've never flown a kite before, (laughs) this is what the podcast has become. I assume my listeners haven't flown kites. Well, I don't know. Maybe some of you haven't. I'm not going to go on a huge thing with it. Right? If you haven't flown a kite before, watch a video on YouTube. But anyways, he's running and the kite's flying behind him. So wee, wee, yay, jumping over pumpkins. And then all of a sudden he gets stuck. What? And he realizes that he can move. But when he's pulling the kite, the kite's not moving. It's like caught in some crazy wind. He slowly turns around, dramatically turns around. He's turning around. And he sees the kite is frozen in place. No matter how much he's tugging on it, it won't move. And the reason why it won't move is there is a UFO hovering over the area with a beam shooting at the kite. This is about a 20-foot in diameter orb, which doesn't seem that big at all. What is that, like two stories? Actually, I... <laughs> that's kind of huge. That's like a medical building floating there. It doesn't sound big, though, right? But anyways, as I'm I'm standing in the jungle, I'm like, well, that's a tiny UFO. Where's the big one? They get super mad. But they don't take it out on me. They take it out on Juan. Because as he's trying to pull his kite away, they shoot a beam at him. And he gets abducted. And he's on this UFO. 
and he sees this six-year-old girl standing in the UFO. And she has blonde, platinum blonde hair. She's wearing a silvery outfit, and she's standing there holding his kite. Next to her is a dude, is like an adult man wearing a tight green outfit. I just imagine him standing there sternly. It doesn't really say what he's doing, but I imagine him doing that. But Juan isn't worried about the tall green dude or the little kid. He's like, hey, nice UFO you got here. It's kind of tiny, right? He's kind of walking around. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. He wants his kite back. He's a man with a mission. He's like, give me my kite back. He's in an interstellar vehicle, but all he's worried about is two sticks of wood and a little bit of plastic. It was 1930, so what were kites made out of? Paper? <laughs> was he flying Benjamin Franklin's kite? 1934, I guess she had nothing better to do than fly a kite. But anyways, he wants his kite back. She won't give it back to him. She goes, tell you what, I'm not going to give your kite back. Instead, I'm going to pull this magical box out, and I'm going to show you some pictures. It's pictures of her. <laughs> it's pictures of her in the future enjoying his kite. She's like flying it on an alien planet, and then she's like cuddling with it in bed, and then she's making a better kite. He's like, why'd you have to show me the one? You can obviously make a better kite. Why'd you show me that picture? She's like, ah, because I'm a jerk. She shows him. They don't say what pictures she shows, but she shows him some pictures. And then she goes, tell you what, the picture show was fun and all, but I will give you a box. He's like, I don't want a picture box. I want my kind. She goes, no, no, no. This isn't a picture box. And she holds out a cube. It's about eight inches in diameter. Doesn't sound very big. And she hits a button. Do, 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 do. This smoke appears. And then a little monkey man. A little three foot tall monkey appears in the room. And it looks around like it's totally panicked. It doesn't know where it's at. It's just like, oh, oh, it's totally freaking out. And she's sitting there with this cube. And Juan's a little freaked out because now there's a three-foot-tall ape in this UFO. And then she hits the button. And the ape goes, oh, 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 He turns into mist and goes back into the box. And she goes, I'll give you this if you let me keep the kite. Now... It's 1934. Kites are high technology, but nobody on the block, the block being the solar system, has a monkey box. You're going to trade the kite for the monkey box. So he's like, I will gladly take this monkey box. Maybe I can make a kite out of monkey fur. Maybe that is something I will do. So they drop him back on Earth, and he's walking around with this box. And he figures out how to activate it. The mist appears, three-foot-tall monkey, uh, 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 totally freaks out. And then he goes to press the buttons to make it go back into the box. And they didn't show him how to do that. So after the monkey would look from side to side, it would run off into the jungle. And he's like, uh, that, that's not supposed to happen. That's not part of this game or whatever it was i kind of want my kite back he takes this box to school though and he's like guys guys guess what guess what i have for show and tell he brings this box down he presses a button and a little monkey <laughs> looks from side to side and then the kids are like dude it's totally awesome but now what and he goes i don't know i haven't figured this part out yet and the monkey would jump out of the window and run off into the jungle now apparently i saw this on the beyond creepy video i wasn't able to see it in another source that only people of a certain age could see the monkeys. So the teacher would be like, Juan, sit back in your classroom. <laughs> There's like monkey urine all over the floor. And Juan's eyes are shifting from side to side. He's like, yeah, monkey, that's monkey's urine. The teachers, the parents couldn't see it, but the kids kept seeing these monkeys magically appear, freak out, whoa, what am I doing here? And then run off. 
And he kept doing this, even though he had no idea how to get the monkeys back in the box. He kept doing this over and over and over again. He got to the point, though. I mean, after he's basically created a small small population of invasive species, space apes, space apes, let's not, uh, let's just cut to the chase, there's space apes. He started seeing them around his house, too. The ones he conjured, they'd run away, but then he'd be, like, going to bed and he'd see, like, a monkey scurry underneath his cabinet. Or he'd be brushing his teeth. He'd be brushing his teeth. There's a monkey standing behind him in the mirror. Turns around, monkey's gone. Be mowing the lawn. No monkeys. He was looking for one to run over, but then he sees the monkey with the hedge clippers going, uh-uh-uh. I know what you're thinking. He actually said, he. this is one of his quotes, Believe me, I would just like to die. I'm tired of seeing strange things. That's pretty that's pretty nuts, dude. I think a lot of people would love to see like paranormal activity. They're constantly going to haunted houses and trying to invoke demons. This guy's like, dude, I would rather die than see another space ape. I think it would be pretty dope. But again, I've never had a house infested with space apes. Now, there's another interesting detail. Monkeys aren't native to Puerto Rico. There are monkeys on the island now. And some people believe that these monkeys are descendants of the space apes. Sometimes these monkey sightings are linked to mysterious deaths. (laughs) They're like, I don't know what happened. It looks like he was bit several times by a mouth belonging to a three-foot-tall creature. The coroner's like, hmm, very, very mysterious. He's actually three monkeys standing on each other's shoulders wearing a lab coat. I don't know what caused it. It's mysterious. So it's been linked to that. So you still have a bizarre paranormal angle with this, or they've actually become real. They're no longer these mist and smoke apes. They're able to procreate and have more normal apes that people of all ages can see, because you can see apes now in Puerto Rico. They didn't appear until the 1950s, but it doesn't seem like they came from a magical box. They actually came from a medical lab. They apparently escaped from a medical lab, so they're super angry, right? They're super angry with humans. Their descendants all go, yeah, I used to get stuck with needles and stuff like that. They're all running around. Half of them probably have superpowers from the medical experiments. So you do have real monkeys over there that didn't appear in the 1950s. And some people today think that those monkeys may be descendants of the space apes. They're most likely descendants of angry apes who broke out of a medical facility. But either way, what happened to the box? What happened to this box? Well, Juan said he was so tired of seeing all this weird stuff that he buried it. He just couldn't deal with it anymore. Which seems like a bad thing to do if it's a replicating alien species to bury it. He's like, well, that's done. Six inches deep. Nothing will ever bother that again. What if the apes got a hold of that? And they just create more and more of their kind. Now, we actually have even more adventures with Juan. Because Dragon Boy JGH, when he heard the story on Beyond Creepy, he goes, that doesn't sound real. I need to double check that. So he went out and tracked down a book, and I got another story that I want to cover with Juan tomorrow. I imagined it to be in one episode, but it's going long. So we'll cover the second story with him tomorrow. But I want to finish this one off with this. That box is still out there. Assuming the story's true, right? The box is still out there. Or is it? You know that somebody is looking for this box. And I don't mean like treasure hunters. I don't even mean like UFOologists. There have to be agencies worldwide that comb literature for these stories. Every Fate magazine, Weirdo Podcasts, 
books of haunted places looking for anomalies. We all heard we've all heard of that SCP, that website that has all those fictional stories about like the government lab that's constantly trying to collect these weird things. Last week I said, of course China's working on a time machine. Every country worth their salt is working on a time machine. And I think uh, not every country, but I think a lot of countries also have agencies that look for this stuff. That go through old accounts written in newspapers and say, we need to catch a plane to Puerto Rico and we just got to start digging. Dig up the whole country, boys. Not a single piece of soil is going to remain. You go down there with equipment and you try to find this box. Maybe you even interview him under the guise of someone else. Maybe a man in black. I mean, you find this box. Or at least get to the bottom of it because you'd go down there and you'd find out whether or not the story is true. And if you think the story is true, then the box is out there and you're just not going to let an alien artifact capable of producing life to sit under the soil. You're going to get that. This device is either lost and someone is looking for it or it has been found and somebody has it. And when I say somebody, I mean an agency that has a collection of these devices that could easily prove all sorts of paranormal and alien stories. But they sit in a warehouse. They have to be looking for these things. You would be stupid not to. Because even if you investigated a thousand of these stories and they all turned out to be true, and you stop looking into them, what happens when a rival nation sends a four-man team to Puerto Rico in 1942. Probably not. Everyone was kind of busy in 1942. You sent them out there in 1955. You came across this story in the literature and some old newspaper. You sent them out in 1955 to kick the soil around in Puerto Rico. Everyone else gave up because they'd been looking for spears of destiny. They'd been looking for holy grails. They'd been looking for all of this stuff. No one else is even investigating this. And then one country finds a box that with the press of a button can create life. All these things go into a warehouse, but they don't stay there. They're just there for a brief time. They are there until there is a way to weaponize them. And then they will be unleashed on their enemies. The world of the paranormal, the world of aliens, all of this stuff we talk about, It's fun to talk about, but there could be real-world consequences if these artifacts fell into the wrong hands. It could be as simple as... It could be as simple as taking a member of ISIS and throwing him in a haunted house. (laughs) That sounded so good in my head. I started to laugh when I was getting ready to say it. But no... It sounds like a haunted house, like a spook house that's like in the middle of Illinois or something like that, where a guy just up like clown. Now, what if you found a legit, what if you found a house that was actually haunted by demons and the U.S. government had it and you could take prisoners and you could throw them in it? And they're like, I'll never talk. I'll never speak. They're like, we'll see how you spend the night in the spook house. They're like, what? This is, this is less likely to make me talk. This is less likely to make me talk. And they go in there and then they're like, are you ready to come out? And they're like, yes, I'll tell you anything to get out of this spooky, spooky house. I don't know. That was was a bad example. My point is, is that if you could actually find gateways to parallel dimensions, truly haunted locations where demons infested the area, 
you would catalog those and you would contain them as much as you could. And when you found a military use for them, you would use them in that function. And if there was a box that with the press of a button could create apes, somewhere that box is sitting under a government's control. And somewhere in that same facility, there is a warehouse full of apes being trained to be the soldiers of the future. That sounded better. That sounded better in my head as well. But you guys get what I'm saying. Okay. Um, I, have more, I have more of this story tomorrow. You're shaking your head. You're like, Jason, don't, don't tell more of this story. But until then, I love this story. Radio gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrevradio. I'm still imagine, imagining some ISIS soldier, some ISIS soldier being paraded into like a house out in the middle of some county and there's like a there's like a girl dressed up as Lizzie Borden. I'm not talking about that type of spooky house. I'm talking about a legit haunted house. Deadrabbitradio.gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. I'm going to go to bed with my melatonin in me. <laughs>